starting to record. What's up, Fit Maniacs listeners? This is your host, Hussam Patel, along with my co-host, Brendan Lagori. Brendan, how are you doing today, bud? What's going on, buddy? Three days until the NFL draft. You know, I don't know if, you know, I know me and you saw it, but the Miami Dolphins, there was a bit of surprising news today, right? I don't know if necessarily if you want to call it surprising, but on the offensive line, you know, run, run, run me down with the, the trade of Eric Flowers to the Washington football team. So essentially what happened was Miami just cleared up $2 million of cap space. So the Washington football team gets Eric Flowers and the Dolphins pick um, the seventh round pick number 258 and Miami gets picked 254, 254 in return. Essentially just move up a couple of, a couple of uh, picks upward from 258 to 244 freeing up $2 million in cap space. And a lot of people are saying this was the wrong move because they lose they lose a, a couple million dollars. Well, let me ask you this, Brandon. When you're in a relationship and you're not getting out what you expect, why would you why would you stay in that relationship? No, I I I 125% agree. I mean, here's this is a move obviously and, you know, when we go through your seven, your final seven-round mock draft for the Miami Dolphins in the 2021 draft, we'll obviously go over this. But, you know, I don't really necessarily know as if whether the or, the organization and Eric Flowers kind of had a, 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 a bad relationship. I believe he did have an injury towards the end of the, the, end of the, the regular season. So that maybe could have spiraled up some things. But, you know, now, you know, Eric Flowers gets a chance to go back home to, to Washington and, and where he – I believe he – when he was there before coming to Miami, that's where his career pretty much thrives. He did. He wasn't the best on the Giants, but he revitalized his career with Washington. Now, what this means is basically fans are thinking Miami is in play for Panay Sewell. Correct. He's not. <laughs> I'm going to say he's not. He's not in play at number six. And even if he was, I don't even think the Miami Dolphins would pick Paneswo. And as Barry Jackson uh, put out today in a tweet from his source, he said, I would be shocked if the Miami Dolphins picked up Paneswo, which basically means, hey, they're not in the plans at number six. And there's probably confidence around the league that the Cincinnati Bengals will pick up Paneswo at number five. Now, what this means for Miami's offensive line is, Solomon Kinley moves back to his original spot at left guard where he thrived at Georgia. And it looks like Robert Hunt may go back to being a right guard. Um, A couple people around the league before he even got drafted were saying he could be a good starting right tackle, but he could potentially become an all pro right guard. And I think Miami is seeing a little bit of flashes of that since last season. Now, this could mean DJ Fluker or maybe even Jesse Davis battling out in camp for the right tackle spot. Um, I wouldn't rule out a right tackle or maybe even another guard in the draft. And we'll get into that um, a little bit uh, later on towards social. So Brandon, who do I pick in the first round for the Miami Dolphins? So after running after running through your seven round mock draft, it was it was actually pretty surprising. You have here round one pick nine, so you have the Dolphins moving back three spots 
from their original pick, which would be pick number six. And you basically what would happen is that the Dolphins would trade with the Dem with with the Denver Broncos. They would the uh, pick nine and two thirty one. Miami would receive a pick one fourteen and a twenty twenty two first rounder and a future twenty twenty two pick. And you have the Dolphins grabbing a a hope a hope to be franchise changing wideout, and that's Alabama's Devontae Smith, which pretty much means that if Brian Flores and Chris Greer grab Smith, they're not really concerned about uh, about about his weight. He's easily the most position guy out of his, his skill set, his elusiveness, his ability to make plays off the line of, of scrimmage. I honestly wouldn't be, I really wouldn't be mad at all. I would, I, I wouldn't really be surprised either if the Dolphins go wide out because Preston Williams was hurt last year. We don't really know the, the concern of Albert Wilson and, and, uh, and Al, Alan Hearns, two guys who opted out due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But it was pretty interesting to see that Miami, that you have the Dolphins trading with Denver so that means that Denver would have the sixth pick. Miami would have pick number nine. Yeah, and I know you would rather have the Miami Dolphins select how picks instead. Okay, so essentially what led me to believe was that uh, in a press conference, George Patton did say he was – he did take a phone call from Chris Greer before or something along the context of that. That led me to think, hmm, maybe Denver really, really isn't sold on Drew Locke. If they can get a chance to get a quarterback within the top five, top six, I think they would take that chance. And, well, voila, Denver trades pick nine and pick 231, which is a seventh rounder. And Miami receives pick 114, which is a fourth rounder, a 2022 first rounder, and a future 2022 pick as well. Listen, I'm never getting off the boat of Devonta Smith at all. When you talk about his weight, I mean, seriously, guys, come on. He's not a bodybuilder. He's an NFL player. Brian Flores wants playmakers on his offense, and that's who Devonta Smith is. He's a certified playmaker. You can nitpick all you want about a guy's size and weight, but good players are good players. We can all see that, and this guy is a very, very good player. He made a lot of plays in college. He made a lot of plays in the biggest games of the year. And that quote right there is what Brian Flores said about Devont Smith. I firmly believe Miami will pick Smith if they can get him at pick nine from a trade back. It's even better while picking up extra assets, which Chris Greer is known for. Yeah, so now you move on to now Miami's second first-round pick at pick 18. You basically have two Alabama guys reuniting with current quarterback to a ton of Iloa, right? You have the Dolphins selected Najee Harris, 18th, the 18th overall pick in the first round, which, hey, I'll be doing backflips if, if the, the, the Dolphins can draft not Najee Harris. I know Tanner loves to, to jump on the whole Miles, the Miles Daston train, which I do like Miles, Miles Daston. He was able to make That's plays. That's Carter. That's Carter, Carter, actually. Carter, okay. But, like, you know, the Dolphins drafting a playmaker like Najee Harris, it seems as if Najee would be the 2,756 running back to come out of the University of Alabama, right? It just seems that there's so many guys that Nick, Nick Saban produces. And now you would have the Dolphins, again, a hope to be franchise change in wide out and Smith to now hope to be franchise change in running back in Najee. That's exactly right. And you know, not a lot of people are on board picking a running back this early, even within the first round. Look, guys, there's no slippery slope about drafting Najee Harris at 18. He's the right pick. 
there's not a lot of mileage on Najee Harris, as people mentioned he's old, for a running back. Dude's only 22. He'll open up the Dolphins' playbook and take some pressure off of Tua Tungabailoa. There was no threat of a run game at all last year, and it was lacking from the offense. You could see it. A one-two punch of Najee Harris and Miles Gaskin, which I think Carter would be floored with if Gaskin gets even more efficient. Both Najee Harris, Miles Gaskin, whoever the third running back is, it'll provide a nice running back system as every single running back can run the ball, every single running back can catch the ball, and Najee Harris is a security blanket for the offense when he runs the ball, when he catches the ball, and when he protects to a tongue of Iloa. Yeah, so we have two offensive guys pretty much closing out the uh, the, the first round, and we've talked, we've we've discussed it on previous podcasts. Miami has to come out of this draft with at least one good, decent running back, whether that's round one with their two first round picks, or whether that's that that's round two. You have the the uh, Dolphins getting that running back in round one. I'm sure some other experts have the Dolphins maybe passing on a running back in the early rounds, maybe round two, even round three. Whatever the case may be, I just hope that the Dolphins find that good guy, that good running back that could solidify their running game. Because the run game, it was not disastrous last year, but it wasn't consistently great. You know, you look at the great running back teams, Miami didn't have that running back that was able, that was able to produce 70 to 100 rushing yards over a used-to-be 16-game schedule. But now you move on to round two, you have the Dolphins selecting guard center Quinn Minoris from, from Wisconsin, right? I do. That's the belly of the beast. That's my guy, Quinn Miners itself. And with the cut of Eric Flowers coming, um, Quinn Miners could possibly play left guard, maybe even center as well. Keep Solomon Kinley at right guard, Robert Hunt at right tackle. And you basically have your offensive line already set. However, we don't know what the offensive line will look like come training camp than we could possibly see. So Miami did sign center Matt Skura in free agency, but it's only a one-year deal. Uh, Quinn Miner solidifies the future of Miami's offensive line. He played with Coach Flo, and he played with the entire offense at the Senior Bowl. He went through all the practice reps, and unfortunately, you know, he did have an injury, so he couldn't play in the actual game. But he loved the Dolphins coaching staff, and the coaching staff liked him too. Um, both Miners and Matsker can play guard and center. And, you know, as I said, I wouldn't rule both of them playing on the field together. Uh, Quinn Miners may be a D3 guy, but he showed it at the senior bowl. He can play with the best of the best. He brings toughness. The Dolphins have been missing since Richie Incognito. And he brings a technical fluidity, fluidity similar to uh, current Super Bowl champion Ryan Jensen, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe this is one of the right moves to fortify the line and keep Tua Tungabailoa upright. So the Dolphins, now let's say that this pit, let's say you hit you hit this pitch spot on, right? Now you have Matt Skura and Quinn Miner is basically competing for a starting center spot, or do you have Skura in that starting role come week one of the 2021 season? Honestly, the Dolphins are always looking for competition. So if Quinn Miners beats out Matt Skura, great. You 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 hit hit a hit on him during the draft. You can move Matt Skura to left guard where he started off his career as well. You know you have depth and versatility along the offensive line already. And if Skura doesn't work out, 
by the time the season is over, you can cut him after the season. Or, I mean, he's going to be a free agent anyway, so he can just walk. Correct. So to close out the round, to close out round two at pit 50, you have the Dolphins selecting cornerback from Washington, Elijah Molden. So give me a brief, give me a brief explanation as to why you have the why you have Chris Greer selecting one of, I believe, two cornerbacks you have that you have the uh, the Miami Dolphins pitching. And don't spoil the rest rest of the draft. Okay, I I essentially picked Elijah Molden because of the fact that. Um, Brian Flores would like to draft a corner high on day two or day three. And per our colleagues' initial reporting and speculation, Jason Sarney, our producer, there were some surprise players flow and the Dolphins are targeting. And he wrote it in an article. He mentioned Thomas Graham Jr. He mentioned Paulson Adebo. Essentially, Paulson Adebo is a cover three type of corner. And on a previous pod we have with Jeremiah Bogan, he said Paulson Adebo is a cover three type of corner, but not a press man type of corner, which coach Flores usually employs. Now, Elijah Molden is that type of corner. He's a press man guy. He can play in the slot. And a little known fact too, is that he can even play safety. So if the Dolphins are thinking, hey, we could possibly move Bobby McCain back to slot, let him battle out with Nick Needham, possibly. Or you can save a lot of money, cut Bobby McCain, and put Elijah Molden in the starting safety position. And our secondary is young. The only highest-paid guys in the secondary would be Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. You don't have to have Bobby McCain's salary either. Nick Needham is a restricted free agent anyway, his salary is not a lot either. So you're maximizing a lot of that potential and salary to pay the guys such as Jerome Baker, Mike Jacecki, extend a couple of guys as well. So it's a lot of future planning as well. However, my best guess is that Elijah Molden would be a slot corner if the Miami Dolphins do pick him. He might not have the best athleticism, but is. It's the technique which allows him to stand out, especially since most of Miami's corners are technicians and they have good but not great athletic skills. Now, if they do want him to be a, a slot corner, he'll have to compete against Nick Needham. He'll have to compete against Justin Coleman as well. So now you now so now we close out this, the second round, right? And Miami's lone third round pick. Pretty much addresses another another uh, position to need. We talked about how the Dolphins need to pick up AO, AO a running back. You have them doing that in the opening round this upcoming Thursday night. But now let's move on on the defensive side of the football. You have the Dolphins selecting Peyton Turner, an edge rusher out of the University of Houston. What does this guy bring to the organization if Brian Flores and Chris Beard goes this specific route? So the Miami Dolphins do need a pass rushing specialist. They do need an edge as well. Payne Turner is the prototype of an NFL defensive end. He's 6'6", 270 pounds, and his body is essentially NFL ready. Um, his game may not quite be there yet, and Miami doesn't really need a guy already who can start as a pass rushing specialist. They already have some guys in Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Agua, Andrew Van Ginkle as well, and they have a couple of other linebackers who can also rush the passer 
essentially, Payne Turner is a bit of a developmental guy, kind of like an Andrew Van Ginkle during his first year that could possibly come on to his second or third year. He's an intriguing prospect as he can be a stand-up edge, hand-in-the-dirt guy, and he can be an interior defensive lineman as well. Okay, it excites me as Brian Flores can put him anywhere on the defensive line. With the 6'6", 270-pound frame, he might be tough to block anywhere. He's got a great combination of pass rush moves. He's not a speedy guy, but he explodes off the line of scrimmage and creates havoc for his linebackers, which is what the Dolphins scheme employs. You know, he's going to need a little bit of development, which is perfectly fine. The Miami Dolphins are perfectly capable of developing players into becoming NFL um, staples. You saw it with Nick Needham. You saw it with Xavier Howard, who really came on to a second season. And you've seen it along the offensive line as well. Uh, he's probably going to be used with limited steps, snaps to produce efficiently in his rookie year if he is the pick at 81. So now we move on to the to the, the, the fourth round, and you have the Dolphins selecting Tony Fields a second and a linebacker out of West Virginia. You know, when I was going through your mock draft and reading this, it seemed it was this the, this one kind of shocked me a little bit, right? Because the Dolphins look at the at the at the unit right now, the current linebacker unit. You have guy, you have one guy that's coming that's coming off a season-ending injury, right? And that's and that's uh um excuse me uh, uh Vince Beagle, and then you have Jerome Baker. But the Dolphins did re-sign Alandon Roberts, so he'll return in 2021. And give me a brief rundown as as to why you have the or the organization selecting another line another linebacker. So this is the fourth round pick, pick 114, which we gained from Denver when we traded back and got nabbed Devonta Smith. And you're right, Alanda Roberts was re-signed to a one-year deal. Tony Fields provides the insurance as, a, as the run-stopping linebacker of the future in Miami. If Alanda Roberts gets hurt again or if they don't decide to re-sign him next year, Tony Fields is already there. As I said, the Dolphins are planning for the future. He will likely start off as a key special teams contributor early on in his career. He reads run plays really well, especially on draws and delete runs. And there's a lot of examples of him blowing up run plays as they're developing behind the line of scrimmage. He's great going up against offensive linemen. However, he lacks the physicality to shed blockers as in, me, as in saying he will need to put on more weight and that's fine. The NFL offseason training program will allow him to do that. But he's got really, really great quickness and lateral agility to keep offensive linemen's hands off him for a good amount of time. He may not be the strongest tackler, but he doesn't seem to get fooled often. He's able to track ball carriers through and around traffic and latches on and brings the ball carriers down. So now, I, so now you move on to the fifth round. Right, and you had the Dolphins selected Demetric Felton, who's a running back and a wideout from the University of, of UCLA. And here you have in your in in when I was reading your mock draft that that selecting Felton in the fifth round would be a steal. Right, give me one reason as to why you think Felton would be a steal and how he could how he could you know I guess you can say boost Miami's Miami's offense, which really did a pretty good job last year, whether it was Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tagovailoa under center, scoring just over twenty one points per game. 
He's kind of like a Swiss Army knife that Malcolm Perry was supposed to be, right? He can play wide receiver and he can play running back as well. In college, he was an average running back, but what made him stand out was his pass-catching ability at UCLA. And this ability is extremely crucial in today's NFL, especially the RPO type of offense that Miami is, you know, implementing into their offensive scheme. Everybody is looking for that do-it-all back. Demetrius Felton is that. However, he's not a power back, okay? He's a great receiver and a pretty decent route runner. And he's also a return man. But he's not the guy who you would give him 15, 20, 25 touches a game in the running back position. You would use him efficiently as a running back, as a wide receiver in, you know, third down, passing down situations. He provides that depth in the running back and wide receiver and the return man room. room. And if Jakeem Grant is still on the roster, I think it's going to be between him and Jakeem Grant for the return man role. You know, there's going to be plays manufactured for Demetric Felton. And yes, I do think he'll be a steal in the fifth round if, if he is used properly. And before we, you know, before we dis- we, we discussed Miami's final pick of the 2021 NFL draft, I'm glad you mentioned Jakeem J- Grant, right? Because many people don't really know what his status is for the for the 2021 season. Will he have a roster spot? Will he? Will somebody the end? Will someone from the incoming rookie class take his spot? How do you necessarily see Grant's future in 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 Miami playing out? Because I've seen I don't I don't know how many of you guys have seen it on on Finn Maniacs. And, and other social media sites, but I've seen Jakeem Grant has been throwing with Tua Tagovailoa, so it seems to me as if Grant has solidified a spot, a solidified a roster spot. No, do we know? It's all assumption based right now. We have no idea, no idea who is going to be on this roster come week one. We all thought Shaq Lawson was staying. All right, we clowned Tanner for it. And essentially, Tanner was right, okay? We saw, you know, a cut of Eric Flowers coming, but nobody saw a cut of Kyle Van Noy coming. People are decided, people, especially on Twitter, are saying, Jakeem Grant needs to be cut. Jakeem Grant needs to be cut. He has got butterfingers for hands, right? Jakeem Grant is still on the roster right now. He could possibly still be on the roster once the draft has ended and could possibly be one of the starting wide receivers in week one. So we really, really do not know. And I can't base a prediction right now of who's going to be on the roster, who's not going to be on the roster until the draft is over. Great question, though. Great question. So to, so to, to close out, there would be day, day three – you have the Dolphins selecting one of two cornerbacks in this draft, Cam Bynum out of the University of, of California. And a great point that you mentioned was Gerald Alexander, who is Miami's defense bats coach. He was Bynum's coach at California. So a bit of a mutual connection if the Dolphins do go this way. Give me a brief analysis, a brief explanation as to how he would, you know, whether maybe he won't have a guaranteed starting spot. Maybe it'll be somewhere on the uh, – on, on the practice squad, but what does he bring to Miami? Well, he certainly 
got some consistencies in his game, okay? He's played a lot of football. He started 38 consecutive games, and, you know, he was a four-year starter as well. He's super smooth with his hips. He does a great job of staying in phase, especially in press man coverage, okay? I'm emphasizing press man coverage because that's the type of coverage Miami plays a lot, and he's instinctive, okay? His skill sets say that he's only an outside corner. He can't be a slot guy, and he can't be moved to safety. So that puts him on the depth chart right behind Xavier Howard, right behind Byron Jones, right behind Noah Igbenogany as well, okay? He'll have a tough time battling out, but he can be a key special team teamer. You know, he isn't scared to go out and make tap and make tackles, especially in the run game, which is a strong point. He may have some issues with his technique, which is questionable. And, you know, his technique has been inconsistent. However, as I said again, he has connections to Gerald Alexander, who's Miami's defensive backs coach, and he'll teach him up. He was his coach at Carolina, and he could possibly be his coach again in Miami. He'll teach him up for it a lot, okay? And this is what I see with Cam Bynum, a late-round cornerback flyer. So if you if you take all these draft picks, right, and you had to, you know, just give me a quick recap about every single pick, who is your favorite pick, and who do you think is going to be the sleeper pick? Out of, out of your incoming rookie draft class? Well, I, I said it. If Demetrius Felton is used right and used efficiently, I think he might be a steal. Um, Quinn Miners, I guess you could say, is a fan favorite. He's a fan favorite of mine, too. And I like offensive linemen. He's a dog, all right? He's got the belly of the beast. If he's able to turn into that Richie Incognito type of player, Miami's offensive line is set to a standing up right end. He's able to throw more. He's able to stand in the pocket, move around the pocket more, and make plays with his legs, which is which he's used to doing when he was at Alabama. And you saw his best plays came from outside of the pocket when he's using his legs to move around the pocket and when he has time to throw. If the Miami Dolphins do choose Quinn Miners, he will be one of the key cogs that allows Tua Tungabailoa to do what he does best and improve the run game. Now, Brandon, I want to ask you, out of the players in this mock, who is your favorite? To be really honest with you, I'm going to I'm gonna honestly say it as, as simple as possible, Najee Harris, right? Because he's a guy – I watched him a lot when he was at the University of, of, Al, of Alabama – watched him really destroy Ohio State's defensive front unit during that national championship game, which was at Hard Hard Rock Stadium. So if that really didn't paint a picture of what Najee Harris can do in a in a adult in a Dolphins uniform, that game this uh, this past January pretty much showed you. I, I I love his size for a running back. I love his weight for a running back. And you know, I've seen many times he hurdles guys as if it's like really nothing. So pair Najee Harris with Tua Tonovailoa and, hey, let's say that, that your two first-round picks are correct with Smith and Harris. You got three Alabama – it seems as if instead of you, like the, like the Alabama Crimson side of 2018-2019, right? <laughs> That's right, and you still have DJ Fluger who played along the offensive line at Alabama. Right. And you also have Raekwon Davis who played 
defensive tackle at Alabama. So that's basically five Alabama players. Might as well call them the Miami Crimson Tide or Fins Tide, maybe Roll Fins. I don't know. You can make a lot of fun nicknames. So Fin Maniac. So we're going to be, you know, guys, we're going to be pretty busy, right, for this upcoming week. We got night one is on Thursday. Night two is on Friday. And night three to close it out is on Saturday. But for those who don't know, Sam, give it. Give, give everybody a quick uh, a quick summary of what Finn Maniacs itself is, is going to be doing. Of course. So night one, we are going to have Boots in Cleveland. So Jason Sarney, Chip Turner, and Sean Williams will be in Cleveland live. And you, me, Tanner, Carter, Jorge will be at our home base live streaming as well, making sure we give you the analysis for the picks there. Night two will be the same. And day three, I got to say, is probably the most fun we'll have because you and me are hosting and we have a list of great guests coming on from basically noon to whenever the hell day three ends, which is around 5, 6 p.m. So we're going to be here Saturday, oh, May yeah. 1st, all I'm, day. It's the first time that I've, you know, it's honestly the first time that we're going to be on, on a podcast for pretty much more than 45 minutes to an hour, right? Seems like we're always on for just 30, 40 minutes, like our time limit. But now we're going to be pretty much streaming pretty much all day throughout round throughout day three. Excuse me. I'm honestly really, I'm really, really excited for it. This is a, this is a good opportunity, you know, for all, for all of us as the day three pitch roll in. So what happens is if Mac Jones is picked at number three during our live stream, you know, what, are we going to laugh? Are we going to cry? Are we going to see any you know, fans was- live in Cleveland having meltdowns? Like, what, what's going to happen? You know, if I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan, I'm, I have all my notifications turned off right now, right? Because it seems as if one day you wake up, you find out, hey, look, Justin Fields, the quarterback of Ohio State, he's likely to be the pick at number three. You wake up one day, you got Trey Lance, a quarterback out of North Dakota State. Now, all of a sudden, it's they've, they've narrowed their three choices down to just two, Lance and uh, Jones. And now, all of a sudden – you're hearing all these rumors that Matt Jones is probably going to be the uh, like the uh, likely favorite. Look, it's it's the NFL draft. Anything could could really happen, you know. On draft night, we may see something bizarre. We may see uh, New England trade up maybe 10, 11 spots and maybe grab tra- a Trey Lance or a Matt Jones. You really have no idea. That's why, honestly, the NFL draft is like March Madness, right? Because it's so unpredictable, especially that first that opening night, the first round. You really don't know what you're going to expect, but it expects a lot of craziness. You want to hear something juicy? What's up? Apparently, we just got a spoiler for the NFL draft. So, Rob Guerrera, at Stats on Fire on Twitter, who is the 49ers podcast host for SB Nation NFL, interviewed Trey Lance. And towards the end of his podcast, he says to Trey Lance, hopefully you wind up in a 49ers jersey. And Trey Lance responds, that's the plan. And I'll end the podcast at that. So, Brandon Lagori, thank you so much for being an amazing co-host. It always ends. So, draft night is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. As always, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Scouting Combine at Finn Maniacs under the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Make sure you DM us, shout at us, and if you're at – the NFL draft, let us know. We'd like to talk to you. As always, guys, fins up, everybody. Fins up, everyone.